Welcome to the Sales Compensation Show, where we share the latest sales performance research, insights, and solutions through in-depth discussions with industry experts. So put that spreadsheet away, grab a beverage, and enjoy the conversation. I'm your host, Justin Lane. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome to the show Shiv Walia. Shiv is a skillful business professional with a history in working in wellness, SaaS, and computer technology industries. Currently, he is the Global Sales Compensation Senior Manager and Sales Operation Manager of MindBody, a wellness and fitness company focused on providing innovative and intuitive solutions for wellness seekers and providers. Shiv, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, I'm familiar with MindBody because I think I've purchased a few products over the years, uh, workouts and different things. But for the people that maybe aren't familiar with MindBody, can you tell us a little bit about the company and what are you folks up to in 2023? Oh, yeah. So MindBody provides management software for, for the fitness, beauty, and in the wellness industry. Some of the big brands include like Orange Theory, F45. Uh, so whenever you go to a gym and spa, the software that they're using to schedule things and, and to figure out things in their system, that is a software we provide and geared specifically for this industry. What we're up to now, the newest thing that, that, that has happened is that we have merged with ClassPass. ClassPass is, it basically does the same thing but that is, it's more of a consumer-facing app, and it is an aggregator of gyms and spas and salons. So, like, think of it: if you want to try CrossFit, or you want to try, or you want to try kickboxing, it's an app you go to and you check out. Show me all these classes, all these fitness or spa classes that are in my city. So, a combination of the two means that we are working on the customer side and the consumer side, and making sure that all aspects of wellness, both both physical and mental, are, are first and forefront for anybody who wants to do it. And we want everybody to do it. Our goal is to have wellness for everybody. So that's that's what's exciting in 2023. All right. And then tell me a little bit about your current role at MindBody. What are you responsible for with that title? All right. So, yeah. so I own I own the sales compensation team. I lead that team for our global sales team. And I run a team who is responsible for creating all the compensation plan from designing it with our parent company. We are, are, are owned by, by Vista Equity Group. So in terms of anything which obviously means that our strategy is made, is made working with them. So from creating the comp plans to implementing it and making sure that all the pay, how we pay out and and all the structure is aligned with our company goals. And my team is the one that takes care of the non-enterprise, of the non of the non-enterprise sales reps. I manage the start to end of the enterprise team in terms of setting the quota and doing the monthly and quarterly calculations and making sure that at the end they get paid well. So yeah. How did you get involved in sales compensation? I actually started from sales operations. I did okay. a lot of sales operations 
And that is, you know, as part of sales ops, it is where it's more like the back end of sales. It's making sure that the sales team have everything that they need to be successful in, in selling things. And from that, I think sales comp, it was one of the things which, which really excited me. One of the things that happened at first is that, is that there was an opportunity and it was, it was going into a management role. And that's something I wanted. And I was like, all right, let me check this out. And it turned out that it's, you know, it's, it's something that was like very interesting in terms of how you create the strategy and how you have like to work with all the different teams because it's, of course, you're doing it for sales, but you got to interface with the HR teams and PNC and finance. And that just kept it very interesting. So that's how I landed there. Okay. I think from looking at your LinkedIn profile and resume that you've been involved in sales ops now for maybe 10 years, over a decade. Yep. How have you seen that role change over the last decade when it comes to sales compensation quota territories? I've seen evolution from my perspective, but tell me what you've seen. Oh, yeah. Yes. I would say like it has changed for sure. And it has changed for the better, especially seeing how sales comp was a decade ago. I would imagine back in the day, it was it was all about one thing. I want to create a compensation plan that is going to allow a sales rep to sell more and more of the product or service I'm selling. And actually, that was the main goal. Now, I would say the greater focus of, of a good compensation plan is that it, it aligns with your strategy, the goals of the company, and what your objective is, all your financial goals, and even your non-financial goals. And there's definitely more of an emphasis on data-driven decision-making. It's because we have a lot of analytics, a lot of new tools out there. We, we recently bought one exactly tool, and we're going to start using that. And that just like gives you a lot more information you can work with and use to make better decisions. And that's been great. And the best thing, like one of the things which I find most interesting and good that it happened, is that there is more of an emphasis in pay equity and pay transparency. And, and that's, you know, from my perspective, that's has been a thing that hasn't been an issue, not just in tech or in corporate America, but all over the world. If, if you live in America and you, and you follow soccer, I'm sure you must have heard that there's a big thing where the women's team were, were uh, being paid way lower than the men's team. And, and if you know anything about that, about those teams, the women's team was way more popular than the men's team. So that, you know, like all these sorts of things, even I would say in the corporate world, a lot of times it has been found that a person who is a male person is getting paid more for the same job than a female coworker. So the fact that more pay equity and transparency is happening and it's at the forefront of things that's it's exciting to be in, uh, in this phase. I'm glad you brought up the, the U.S. women's soccer team. I, I uh, am the father of a soccer player, that, you know, and, you know, she was a big fan of the women's team. And so we definitely follow uh, both national teams. I don't, I don't know if you saw the outcome. I recently wrote an article and put it up on LinkedIn where um, in the last World Cup, uh, the earnings uh, from the the performance-based earnings from the World Cup were shared evenly amongst the men's and women's teams. 
and vice versa will happen when the women play in the World Cup uh, uh, next time, next cycle. So they're trying to, you know, they've, they've made it a lot more equitable for both teams, but it took the courts uh, to kind of to, yeah, yeah. to, and to long come line. in and, and do so. Yeah. yeah. It's been, a, so, I think, a couple of years that it's been in the news and everything. So yeah, yeah. perfect example. Yep. Yeah. And in California, they recently passed a Pay Transparency Act, you know, that requires, I think, pay ranges to be posted for jobs that, uh, you know, are going to be in California, Colorado, something similar. Um, so I think we're getting there to this idea, but it's still, still a little, little ways to go. Do you folks do any analysis of pay amongst the sales team to make sure that you're not adversely impacting any potential populations or groups? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's a big theme nowadays. And and even as you said that, I was referring to one, I was referring one of my friends to a non-sales job at our company. And and I was looking at a job description myself after after a very long time because I'm not looking for a job. And I was like, whoa, it had it had the pay range for each state. And I was like, that's new. Three years ago, it's like it's like make your guess. So yes, in right. that, uh, so across sales and non-sales, it is it is happening industry wide, and we are and we are definitely doing it. And also one of the things that made us do it is as we merged Mind, Body, and ClassPass, we made sure that we look at both companies. And one of the cool things we did is is with a lot of the rules, we took we took the better of the two. Like if the LOA policy, if the leave of absence policy is better at ClassPass than Mind, Body, we implemented theirs. And if we got more, say, national holidays and they got less, we give them the better of the two. So yeah, that's you know both these things, the industry standard, and merging the the two companies made us look into it, and we made sure that we have rules which are favorable for the teams. Let me ask you this: so you you brought together a company, this idea of of a platform sale, to different companies that you know provide fitness experiences or classes to people that you you go to. And then you acquire a company that does more sales to consumers, you mentioned, right? The idea of I pay a monthly fee and then I can go try a couple different classes out. Does one Salesforce sell both those solutions to the market or is it a B2B team and a B2C type team? Yeah, it's a great question. Right now it's different. We have a B2B team that sells to the customer who are the people who who run all the gyms and spas. And then we have a separate team, which is, uh, well, it's not really, at the, end of, at the end of the day, they are both like selling to customers, right? The consumer is the one who is going on the app, but we are selling it to a company whom we want to be on ClassPass. But, but we are keeping those different still. So interesting. So to the consumer, the idea of ClassPass is an app that I would download. And then if, I sign, if I'm signed up for one gym, maybe I can go check out different things. So you're selling that still to the gyms. Okay. Makes sense. In my mind, for some reason, I was thinking, oh, that's something I have to go. I go buy a subscription to ClassPass from my body. And then you guys go, okay. Makes sense. All right. So are you folks on a calendar or fiscal year of some sort? Are you at the beginning of the year? Uh, kind of, yep, yep. They just started kind of year. 
Have you successfully rolled out the plans and quotas uh, for the year? How, how did the process go and what lessons did you learn that you might want to share to other people uh, who maybe struggled with that this year? Oh, yes. One, it, uh, we definitely had a major change. We, we completely revamped our compensation plans to make sure that it, it aligns with what our goals are and, and where we're going. And the very first lesson, which I kind of learned the hard way, if I got to be honest, is, is that you need to include all the stakeholders which are involved in, in compensation plan designing and implementation. Because it's, it's not just the sales team, but you got to make sure that you are aligned with the finance team. Because at the end of the day, they need to create an expense that if that's the plan, means that we are expecting to, to give out X, Y million dollars in sales compensation. And we need to make sure that we that we're counting for that, and it still it still it still checks out in terms of the numbers. So include all the stakeholders and make sure that everybody's aligned. Definitely having a solid plan and structure, which one of the things that I do is that I make sure all the compensation plans are in one place because they need to be accessed by different teams, right? by the team whom it's for, by the recruiting team, for anyone who is new or any team that is referencing it for whatever reason. So that is is kind of, you know, it's a rule that I'd follow with any project. And I would say, you know, a very good thing to do is to communicate as much as you can. Like any other thing with sales, communication is key. Making sure that, that the sales team is aware of what is changing, how it's changing and you take care of the change management. You know, anytime you're changing something, be it good or bad, if you don't look into change management, it might be just very rocky. So making sure that you are communicating all the changes to your sales teams and they're aligned with your vision and agree that, you know, this is is better for us is is kind of what will get you to have a more positive in terms of like, you know, people being more positive that yes, it's a good plan, and I'm excited to achieve more this year. Yeah. A couple questions kind of as a follow-up. The first one being, you mentioned a big change in the plan, which is often difficult when it comes to that rollout and communication. You have to be a little bit more thoughtful and about it, how you go about it. How did MindBody come to awareness that the plans were out of strategic alignment with the corporate goals? I, As a consultant, I talked to a lot of companies. And oftentimes when I bring this idea up, you know, they're saying, oh, we want revenue growth or we want market share or we want to launch a new product. And I look at their plans and I'm like, well, that's not what you're paying people to do. How did that realization come to my body? Was it the CEO said, we're changing direction, we need to change uh, the plans? Was it because reps were leaving and making comments and exit interviews? Why ask? And so how do other companies... How can they become aware that maybe their plans aren't in alignment with their goals? A great question. I can see how that can be an, an important thing like for anyone to think of. I think what helped me in this case is that I took over the global team, taking care of compensation for the global team the two quarters ago. So I came in and, and I was looking at it from, from a fresh perspective. 
that means that I was uh, looking at the plans which had been created by somebody else, and I was, and I knew being in sales ops at that time, I knew what the company strategy is and what we're trying to achieve. And I think what helped me is that it was is it was a complete it was a new set of eyes in terms of how are we planning to pay them and what do we tell them in their day to day in terms of what we need need from them. And I found a lot of things which are are either too complex or are missing or could be done better. So that was one thing. And the, and the second thing was like it was definitely the person before me had done a great job of having a lot of data. So had a ton of data and analytics. And I worked with the finance team to figure out how much we are spending in sales compensation, how much our return is, and and where do we want to be? And and that just as we got into into a lot of detail, it was it was very easy to let uh, you know to pick out both the low hanging fruits where it's like oh that that is like something we need to change immediately because it's bad, and even the more complex things that how are we doing so bad in this, and why do we need to change it? And and that's where you had like to involve a broader team and kind of look at uh, the strategy. So that second part was just looking at a ton of data and seeing what can you find out that's wrong and what can you do to change it. I'm glad you mentioned this idea of a sales compensation return on investment or a, a compensation cost of revenue a type of metric. It is amazing how many companies don't know this number off the top of their heads on the finance side or on the sales operations side. And it's never something where I'm like, oh, when somebody tells me what it is, where I'm like, oh, that's good or bad. It, to me, it's, it's you you have to, you know, that initial draw a line in the sand and then decide whether you're trying to increase it or decrease it, whether you're trying to respond to the market or you're trying to become more efficient or productive you know, type of thing. But if it's way out of whack, you know, Q1 this year versus Q1 next year, something's gone wrong and it's, you know, for further investigation, it's a wonderful metric for people to track. So let me ask you this question. So for everybody out there in the role today, as opposed to them finding a new person every six months to have a fresh set of eyes, what metrics are you going to put in place with this data that you have available to monitor plan effectiveness? And is it going to, you know, is it staying in strategic alignment versus maybe getting back out of alignment or not working? Mm, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, that just reminds me of some of the things that we focused on. One is is to make sure that, well, I think it, it also, it, it started with the rev churn. And they got to make sure that, that you are, one, your headcount is good, that you're not having too many extra people or too few who cannot even chase the goal. And that, you know, in that you look at things like what is the the average dollar value of your opportunities in your CRM and how much can one person bring in. If I go and I find out that on average, you know, hypothetical numbers, our goal is to do is to do one million. And each person on average has done one hundred thousand a year. That means that I I do need ten people, even if you cannot make it five people and say that oh I'm going to increase their productivity. Increasing pro- increasing productivity by a two x number 
has probably never been done, like going from like, you know, 100,000 to 200,000 within a year. So all the headcount numbers, that was something we, and we definitely focused on, it's not really conversation related, but we did look at churn and making sure that if we, if we reduce the number of, of businesses which are leaving, we kind of increase how much the total value that's coming in from one person, because of course you have to do both the plus and the minus. That means you're increasing their productivity. And, and one more thing we probably looked at is just stuff from the finance team. So not really compensation, but what is the total cost of, of, of the compensation team and, and, and what are the drivers that we can, you know, a push, a pull and push that can help to make things better than what they are. Because we did see some numbers, I'm forgetting what the numbers are now that were like very much unfavorable, that were not favorable to plan. And we and we worked with finance to figure out how can we do this from a finance perspective to have more green numbers. Nice. Yeah, I typically guide people to say, you know, put that, you don't want to make that a one-time report because the data grows stale pretty quickly as time goes on. And I always think about the idea of for a, let's say a 2023 plan, people were doing these data polls late summer, early fall of 2022. And by the time you get to summer of 23, it's almost a year old. And so if you don't already have it in place, and for the people listening, put your metrics in place, check them throughout the year, uh, make course corrections as needed proactively versus wait. Yeah, yeah. I would I would encourage to have a quarterly view of the data that I think is important and need to track and have one person or one team that is responsible for that because as time goes as well, that's one place you can look back at that, you know, how do we manage this or or there's this number which hasn't improved from the last eight quarters. Do we need to do something about it? So there can be things which are just really out there that you can easily see if you are doing a tracking which is continuous. What are you seeing from your perspective, your network or organizations or communities that you belong to around, let's say, sales performance, sales comp, quotas, territories? What trends are you seeing out there in the marketplace today? And how are you responding to them? Mm -hmm. One good trend I like is that they are there is a push to make more individualized compensation plans and not just a one fits all that right the entire the global sales team is going to be on this plan and i'm not saying you know i don't want someone to hear that and say that i'm not going to create a plan for a thousand different sales reps no that's wrong of course that's wrong it's individualized in a way that you find a good level which is that at this at this specific level, I feel like all these all this team needs to have the same plan, but their peers who are on another team or in an, in another region or selling other products, they need to have a different plan. So making it personalized at a specific level that is going is is going to motivate that team and drive them to achieve the highest efficiency is a good trend that's happening out there. And definitely the fact that 
it's it's more aligned. People are starting to align the compensation plan to what the company goal is. Because at times it can be, you know, a, a good example is of seeing that at times if you sell a pro, you know, some companies have a rule that if you if you sell a, a product or a service to an NGO or a nonprofit, you are paid on the list price. So it's encouraging you to, to sell to such businesses because normally if you sell something at a discount, you are comped on the discounted price. But in such a case, they'll pay you on the list price, which is, is like to encourage you to work with such companies. So just, you know, doing all things which will align with the strategy and what you're trying to achieve as a business, I think, I think that's a good way to, to create compliance nowadays. Yeah, that's really interesting. And when I asked you a question earlier about what you've seen in the last 10 years, I'll share what I've seen in the last 20 years around sales compensation plans. And I think when I first started doing it, we definitely thought about sales compensation plan design as a math problem to solve. And we were working with the Office of Finance because they would say, oh, we have this specific budget. You need to come up with a pay curve or a rate table or a bonus structure that when the reps all hit target, this is what they get paid. And so we would make sure the math all worked. And then at some point in time, maybe 10 years ago, is when we, we started to think about the idea, at least the progressive people that did comp plan design would think about the idea that there's a human on the other end of this comp plan and they're motivated in a particular way and they chat with their peers and you know the, some of the rise of some of the sites of where they start to see what other people make and types of things, more publicly available information. And all the behavioral uh, economists you know, started to be more popular and write more books. And so we started to think about the behavioral aspect of the plan. Is it motivating? You know, is it meaningful? Um, is it simple enough for people to understand? And then I think maybe five, six years ago, and we could find the exact date uh, because it's tied to a particular bank that created a plan that was too aggressive. And ultimately their reps, not only, you know, the, the unforeseen consequence of their actions was not just treating prospects and clients in a particular way or manner, not just immoral, but illegal. And they got in a lot of trouble, you know, for that. And so we think, I think about that as the third leg of the stool of you're trying to create, the math has to work, right? You got to model and cost it and make sure it fits within your, your structure of your budget. Has to be, you know, good for the reps, win-win, but also has to be a win for prospects and clients and customers. But you touched on an idea here of, for nonprofits as an example, paying the full boat to the reps, because from a corporate culture standpoint or who do we want to be in the world this is important to us that not-for-profits can take advantage of our product solutions and goods in the same way that a for-profit company can but maybe to a different price point and why should we penalize the reps or that potential client uh you know just the corporate good type of thing and i think that's a perfect example of seeing those three legs you know working in harmony we have a corporate strategy you know, your company's for profit, so is mine. We want to pay our reps to go out there and sell, you know, sell good business to the right customers at the right price. At the same time, though, we want to be good citizens in the world and maybe help out people that can't uh, necessarily afford it. So I really, I think that's a great story. And I thank you for sharing that because I think that's uh, a good lesson for a lot of folks to, to hear and think about when they design their comp plans. For sure. All right. One more question for you. 
I have a couple questions I like to ask every guest on the show, and then we'll be at the end of our time together today. What's next for you? You mentioned sales compensation plans this year, pretty big change. You touched upon quotas. We didn't really dig into territories too much, but kind of, what's the next big area for you uh, to go tackle there at MindBody and pull them into the future and get better alignment and better productivity out of that area? Yeah, I, my immediate focus is, as I mentioned, we had a, com- a complete revamp of of our sales compensation plan. So but the first tab is just is, is is probably going to make sure that that it checks out that it's it's something which is is good for the reps that it's it's actually motivator. The changes we made, we wanted to be done in a way where we are maximizing business value and and we let the sales teams also know that this is is the best of class out there which is going to maximize how much you can earn like no caps and everything it's like how much you how much you perform the more you perform that's how much we'll pay you and the sky is the limit so probably i'll need to make sure that that the math in fact does check out you know and see how to improve that over the course of the year and and the second would be more on the strategy side one of the things i love being in sales ops and sales comp is that it throws like different things at you so there is always a scope of making things better of of finding a small like tweak that is is going to make the sales team happier and and your executive leadership team owner in this case happier that we are providing that we are doing more with less so just leaning on the strategy side and 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 just keep on seeing all the industry best practices and what everyone else is doing out there and learning from that and seeing how we can how we can change things or make things better that will create a sales team which is well motivated and they don't want to leave basically we just want these guys to stay here and do more business especially because i think one thing to mention is that mind body and you know just this industry uh, is is an industry which was directly impacted by covid a lot of a lot of businesses unfortunately shut down and were out of like business and we're slowly getting out of it so for us this is a time when we are getting back to pre 2020 levels and what we want to do is is not just try to go back to those levels especially now that the whole world is realizing that your well-being, both mental and physical, it's it's really important, and it's something you should care about. So, as the world is thinking about that, how do we do what is best for our teams and the world out there to connect everybody to fitness and wellness? So, just you know, the general strategy there of making things better. So, yeah, it's going to be fun here. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of continuous continue to sell the plan to the field. Put the metrics in place to make sure it's working, adjust as needed, continue to learn best practices and apply them as they come up. But yeah, a tremendous opportunity uh, for the company after probably, like you said, a pretty tough couple of years. So yeah, best of luck and hope you take advantage of that. All right, two questions I like to ask everybody that comes on the show. Number one, if you could take anybody to lunch in the sales compensation or sales management world, who would that be? Uh, great question. I was at 
I'm actually invited to this conversation forum by Concero, which is happening in Miami, I think in April. And as I was going through that list, I saw some amazing leaders coming there. And one that stuck out to me was being in Atlanta, Georgia. That's This is where Coke, Coca-Cola is headquartered as well. Their head of total rewards, I think, uh, it, it, his name is Carl Saunders. I don't know him personally, but seeing him on that list and seeing his LinkedIn profile uh, and and the fact that he lives in Atlanta, I was like, that might be a good person to catch up with and, and learn from. Yeah. I don't know him either. I'll have to go check him out and see what uh, type of ideas they have. Is it a he or I don't want to get it wrong. Is Sanders a gentleman or a lady? Yeah, he's a gentleman, Carl, uh, Carl, Carl. Saunders. Yeah. yeah. I don't know him. I'd be happy to make the introduction. <laughs> if this podcast gets released before that forum and anybody on the in the audience uh, knows Carl, let's make that LinkedIn introduction to Shiv and let's make that that discussion happen. Yes, please. Second question. Is there a book? Could be sales compensation related, could be general business or management related that you could recommend to people. I sit and work in my library. I'm always looking to put new books on the shelf. But the audience, you know, I'm sure they're looking for good things to read as well. Any ideas out there for us of the next book to read? I'm sorry, just let me ask you this. So that is a library behind you and it's it's not a Zoom background. Okay, well, <laughs> good to I know will, that is amazing. I will zoom in on the library real oh, quick. Okay, it is. All right. I will zoom back in on me. 90% of the times that is a Zoom background. So that that is fantastic to see that you have a whole library. Of You're books. not the first person to ask, but it is an actual <laughs> Yes, I'm sure. All right. Okay, sorry. Back to your question. Is it okay if I recommend two? One is, sure. is being a data guy, uh, a say it with charts. It's it's a it's a book that is is about communication and and I love data and I think it's it's more for like people who who think that you know it's it's tiresome or it's too it's too scale looking into data mm-hmm. how to circumvent that and one for management is uh, what's it called I'm not crazy I'm just not you and I forget who the author is but it gets into different personality types and. Uh, how how people react to different things and how you can tailor not really tailor like the things that you that you can keep in mind while while talking to like different kinds different kinds of people that will make sure that you're saying things in the best way that you know that they'll grasp and it will actually motivate them so it's also for management that of course in a team you have all these like different personalities right and it's not like you can use the same approach for all of them, even though sales always has like one approach. But like, how can you motivate each of your team, a team member differently so you get the best out of them? Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, it sounds like a, I, I have not read either of those books. I will definitely go give them a peek. I like the, the idea of the second one. I find that sometimes communication between different levels in the organization uh, different business functions, you know, is difficult for people, maybe because they're not understanding what the, how the other person's a- approaching it, what's important to them, lack of empathy in some way, right? Of, you know, seeing it from your point of view. I told somebody the other day, if you know, you meet your boss for a one-on-one for an hour a week, 
and you engage with them you know, over Slack and email, you're somewhere between one and two percent of like their thought process throughout the week. And so, you know, what is super important to you may just be a sliver on their radar. And if you feel like it should be super important to them, help them understand that. Um, but don't feel like they're they're not listening or that they're not, you know, they don't believe that you're important. You just have to put yourself, you know, in their shoes. Same thing to sales reps I tell the time where I'm like, when was the last time you called that prospect? And they're like, two weeks ago, I didn't want to bother them. I'm like, two weeks ago? Think about how many emails, conversations in Slack, Zoom meetings, other phone calls they may have taken, things that happened in their personal life between now and then. Like, they've forgotten you exist by now. I go, you're not bothering them, right? As long as you're bringing value to the call. But yeah, so I'm definitely going to check those two books out. I think those are some interesting topics. So thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. I very much enjoyed the conversation. Uh, really appreciate you you showing up and sharing what you're up to there at MindBody and some good ideas uh, for the audience of how to get better at this sales uh, compensation and incentive process. Yes, yeah, it was a great time chatting with you just then. The Sales Compensation Show was brought to you by Forma AI, the world's most advanced sales compensation solution. To learn more about how Forma AI makes sales comp more valuable to your business, visit forma.ai. Find us by searching for sales compensation in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. On behalf of the team here at Forma AI, thank you for listening and stay smart out there.